Radio.net News Desk, I'm Dan McGraw. Good afternoon, I'm Al Cresta. Hulu has produced a documentary series that's uh, expanding upon, continuing, extending the work of the 1619 Project. In an episode entitled Capitalism, the writers contend that capitalism is, quote, based on the exploitation of labor and that, quote, American slavery can never be separated from the history of capitalism, end quote. Join me right now to talk about the production and uh, analyze its uh, any of its strengths or weaknesses. We've got Philip Magnus, Director of Research and Education at the American Institute for Economic Research. He's the author of more than two dozen scholarly articles on the economic dimensions of slavery and the American Civil War. Phil, good to have you here. Thanks. Thank you for having me. Just, let's start with some real basic things. What is the 1619 Project? Well, the 1619 Project was originally the New York Times's reimagining of American history around the date of the uh, first slave ship arriving in Jamestown, Virginia in 1619. They launched it three years ago as uh, basically a call to uh, reinvestigate and elevate the uh, attention that we pay to slavery in American history, uh, which I think is an admirable goal in its, in its uh, basic concept. Sure. But the problem is they took it in a very political direction, and that political direction has put them at odds with the uh, historical fact and scholarship. I was just going to ask about that. Has the project received uh, uh, much acceptance within the academic community? Well, it originally got uh, some very strong pushback from across the political spectrum. Scholars everywhere on the conservative right to as far as the, the World Socialist website and everything in between, basically pointing out and calling attention to historical errors, and that's both in its claims about the American Revolution, which they tried to blame on slavery, and then also its uh, depiction of uh, slavery's economic system. Uh, so it was critiqued, but then they've mounted kind of a counteroffensive, which uh, has sought to prop up the scholarly credentials, uh, unfortunately drawing on what I would argue are some very fringe academic sources, uh, mostly in the Marxist left. Mm-hmm. Uh, the This idea that somehow America's origins uh, are uh, rooted, I mean, 1619 being that significant date, that Americans' origins are best understood as rooted in in slavery, and then somehow the slave economy of the uh, the late um, uh, 18th and into the 19th century, that that slave economy was responsible for the uh, foundation of American prosperity. Uh, does that have any basis whatsoever in the history of economic analysis? Well, the economic claim itself is, uh, I think, self-evidently absurd. Uh, cotton production in the antebellum era before the Civil War never amounted to more than 5 or 6% of GDP. Now, that's mm-hmm. a very large sector for the American South, and it makes a small number of uh, plantation owners immensely wealthy. But the claim that this extends to the entire economy, it just has no basis in the academic literature whatsoever. Yeah, yeah. I, so, so let, let, <laughs> okay, so we're probably dealing with some really uh, weird definitions then. So let, let's go back yes. to the definition of capitalism. How does this 1619 Project, and those who are sympathetic to it, how do they define capitalism? What is it? 
Well, they basically say that capitalism is one and the same with worker exploitation, and they point out that slavery is historically very much so an exploitative labor system. Uh, so therefore, capitalism and slavery are synonymous in this depiction. But it's kind of a circularity that they're using one term to reinforce the other to get to the conclusion that they want. So let me see. So th- this is the idea that um, in large – are they saying that multi – National corporations, large-scale businesses, from McDonald's to Amazon, that these are somehow modern plantations? I mean, that's the strong implication here. And this started in the original 1619 Project in the New York Times, one of the most notorious lines. They claimed that people that use Microsoft Excel today are using a descendant product of the accounting books on the plantation. <laughs> and in the Hulu series, you know, they jump over and they, they show the Amazon warehouses and workers on the floor of those, and they put them side by side with historical photographs of uh, slaves in the cotton field. So that's very much the strong signal they're trying to send. Um, unfortunately, I think this is a, a, a fairly offensive uh, moral claim that they're making here that harkens back, unfortunately, to the slave owning era. Uh, <laughs> you know, what the, the slave owners themselves. That's themselves, right. That they pointed to the factories of the North and said, well, that's wage slavery. It's no better than what we do. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's the argument of the old slave owners, that the North was engaged in wage slavery because they had people in factories. Um, That's that's amazing. Uh, The irony there is amazing. Um, So what, what then is the proper understanding of the institution of slavery to the history of America's political economy? Well, slavery is absolutely a prominent presence in the American past, and it's a problem in the American past that we should grapple with directly. Uh, the biggest issue that comes from it in political economy before the Civil War is not that it's fostering capitalism, quite the opposite. The biggest problem is that the slave owners basically developed themselves as a political interest group. They got themselves enmeshed in the government, and then they were able to capture uh, the resources of the taxpayers and allocate them to things like building fortifications to put down slave revolts, uh, like hiring fugitive slave patrols. Mm. Uh, So it's really a capture of the public sector's uh, uh, dollar, the tax dollars of the entire nation, and saying, prop up our institutions. Uh, so when you're going into the Civil War era, one of the major reasons the South secede is because they thought that the spigot was going to be turned off to all that tax dollar money that was being sent their way to prop up slavery. And they all say this, that they're afraid they're going to lose their fugitive slave patrols. Uh, so that's wow. the real story here. Wow. Wow. Um, so when, when the South, um, the plantation owners of the South then, are trying to ensure that they've got a, uh, a, a, a structure, a state structure that protects their economic interests. Uh, did they? Did they have? Um, did they imagine that they would be able to sustain slavery throughout the development of the American West? Well, and that was the thought. That's why they were so eager to push slavery into the West. Mm-hmm. The major territorial uh, acquisition that they are seeking is to, to basically enter the Western territories into the United States as slave states. Uh, so that was one of their major objectives, and it was all about expanding that political power because each new slave state gives them another uh, two votes in the U.S. Senate, right. where they can 
again, vote themselves resources from yep. the public treasury. Yep. This question, let me ask you, go back to this general idea of capitalism. Uh, is capitalism an actual ideology, uh, or is it just the way that, we, or is it an empirical study of the way people trade, the way people make bargains, the way people invest? What is capitalism? Yeah, so it's very much the latter in the social science sense, and the way that an economist would use it. You know, they normally associate it with certain institutions like a robust private property yeah. system, free exchange, free labor, which mm-hmm. is a major part of it. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if you're using it descriptively, it's talking about a certain set of institutions. Now, the Marxists use it ideologically. They describe it uh, as like a system of thought and a system of design. And that's really where the 1619 Project comes down is they're attacking it as an ideology, but they're also using their own ideology, uh, which is pretty much uh, on the far left, on the, on the socialistic left. Yeah. in a way of, uh, of juxtaposing themselves as oppositional to capitalism. After the collapse of Soviet-style communism, it was reported that as uh, free markets expanded around the world, that we were seeing a reduction of the kind of terrible poverty that existed. Has, quote, capitalism, uh, 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 by, by which I mean a broad acceptance of private property and free markets and rule of law, has that reduced poverty? It absolutely has. And even to the point that there are now statistics where they try to study uh, GDP per capita as just a measure of, uh, of world economic well-being, and they can project this all the way back to the Middle Ages. For most of human history, that's flat until really around uh, the year 1800 to the present. You see a very sharp increase, and it coincides uh, basically in the era that we start adopting these same institutions that are associated with capitalism. Yeah. So again, private property, free labor, uh, wages, a robust market system. And as that's expanded in the wake of the Soviet Union's collapse, uh, most of those countries that were under the Iron Curtain are now immensely better off than they were even just 20 or 30 years ago. So, so, so what what would be... How do how would these uh, critics of quote capitalism? How would they propose an alternate set of arrangements that would generate widespread prosperity? What, what would they expect? I mean, do they want to get rid of private property? I mean, there seems to be great confusion in their political aims. But what it all comes down to is they aren't really looking at the past. The past is nothing more than a weapon or a tool to use to get for electoral aims in the present day. So when you ask them these questions, they, they, they normally default to endorsing uh, pretty far-left progressive uh, platform blanks like wealth redistribution, wealth taxes, uh, socialized medicine, a very aggressive uh, regulated environmental policy, mm-hmm. uh, things like that that sound like they're much more situated for 2023's politics than 1860's. Yeah. It always amazes me, though, that when people begin to talk about a just distribution of uh, income or a just distribution of resources, the first thing you have to ask is how do you generate uh, revenue? I mean, if you're talking about redistributing wealth, don't you first have to answer the question of how do you generate wealth? Well, yeah, that's exactly it. And, And we know from human history, most of our existence, has been an extremely unequal society, very yeah. stagnant levels of growth, 
Uh, you had a, a very small number of people. Uh, the kings in their castles have a lot of wealth, uh, but everyone else is basically re reduced to feudalism or peasantry. And uh, it, it's really not until the last 200 years that we've broken out of that very conclusively, and uh, the, the pace has accelerated as some of these institutions have spread around the world. How, how influential in, in the academic world are Marxist economists? So in the economics profession, they're basically non-existent. Here's the <laughs> trick. They, they've, all, they've all moved over to the English department and the philosophy department, okay. the history department. And, and you find that, that actually in some of these disciplines, Marxists are either a plurality or a majority of the faculty there. And they're basing their economics on a system that uh, almost all economists outright reject and have for the better part of a century. That's got to be embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, I would hope. <laughs> I would hope somebody has a comedy routine on that. So, so, Phil, thanks. We're out of time, unfortunately. Greatly appreciate your joining us today and helping us understand this. I hope we can call on you again in the future. Absolutely, and thank you again for having me, Philip Magnus. Again, uh, we'll have his. Uh, he has a great analysis of this. We'll have it available in the Christa Guest Archives.